Welcome to the Avenging Hour. I'm Jason. I'm John. So we're doing episode 15 today. Episode 15, which is on issues 30 and 31. How true. But first, previously on the Avenging Hour. <laughs> Giant Man, who used to be Ant-Man, is now Goliath, and he's stuck at a slightly inconvenient 10 feet tall. The team finally remembered to rescue the Wasp. We met the Collector, an intergalactic hoarder who looks like the before picture for a homeless makeover reality show. Black Widow teamed up with Power Man and Swordsman to get their communism on, and Wasp lost a fight with a tree. And, and now, episode 15. To be fair... Well, she was fleeing the bird. She actually the, lost the fight with the tree. The tree <laughs> and the sparrow was a team-up. Yes, yeah. I, I have that issue of, of Marvel team-up. It's amazing. I think, I think the next... Wait, no, that was last issue, yeah. I think Black Widow, Swordsman, and Power Man should get the sparrow and the tree <laughs> to join their team. Probably be the most effective members of the team. So... so <laughs> Just stretching for a before I see that. <laughs> we don't want to do anything too uh, Just so, us. Issue 30? Anything you need to say before we launch into it? It's from July of 1966. Still Stanley and Don Heck. That's them. Issue number 30. Frenzy in a far-off land. Page 1. Scarlet Witch quits the team. That, that's a good start, right? Turns out she finally realized how little she's actually been helping. It might have something to do with her powers getting weaker. Or maybe this city was just running out of drapes. But Quicksilver feels it too. He thinks, or hopes, that maybe they're not really mutants that it was just something in that gypsy water of Europe that made them special. So he decides he's leaving too. Cap doesn't seem all that bothered by it now that Wasp and Goliath are back. Oh, wait, he didn't actually mention Wasp. And, and speaking of Wasp, we find her outside Goliath's room, telling him through the door that he needs to eat. Like any overly concerned mother trying to deal with any regular hormone-addled teenager sitting in his room in a comically large lazy boy. When Hank doesn't respond to her desperate pleas, Wasp runs off crying. Goliath accidentally starts knocking stuff over like a puppy trapped in a dollhouse. While trying to clean up the ensuing mess, he finds a newspaper article that mentions his old college professor, Dr. Anton, who has been doing research on growth cells in South America that fertile hotbed of medical research. Hank decides to snag some sort of flying exercise bike that Tony Stark abandoned on the roof and jet on down to the Amazon to have a look around. When Wasp shows concern that Goliath has gone missing, Cap and Hawkeye pretend they don't hear her and tell her to go make a sandwich or something. Meanwhile, Black Widow still has vague orders from her commie handlers to destroy the Avengers. And lucky for her, Power Man and Swordsman have decided to fight each other for the chance to talk to her about them. She may want to break that up before they have no energy left to fight the heroes. And they're gonna want to rest up as soon as possible, because the Avengers have launched Plan S which I'm not so secretly hoping stands for split up and see who can get captured first. Hawkeye takes to the sky in the team's transistor-powered scout ship, where he'll have some time to think to himself about how big a jerk he's been lately. Cap drives around town in a big Buick that records everything he steers towards, look out innocent bystanders, and Wasp does what any lovelorn female in the 60s would do, buzzes around dockside dives looking for a shot of whiskey in which she can drown her sorrows, or herself if she's at insect size. Instead of finding solace at the bottom of a bottle, Wasp instead finds a clue, and is soon flitting back to the others with the bad guy's whereabouts. For some reason, Hawkeye requests a chance to stop Black Widow and her crew on his own, and for some other reason, Captain America agrees that this is a solid plan. Meanwhile, after flying due south from Manhattan with no atlas or GPS on hand, Goliath somehow stumbles upon the exact cottage out in the middle of nowhere that Dr. Anton was working out of. Inside, Goliath finds no sign of Dr. Anton, only a pile of smashed up machinery. 
but once he steps back outside, Goliath is jumped by a group of men dressed up in mismatched pajamas and wearing small household appliances as headgear. He smacks the low-rent cult members around before forcing one of them to guide him into their forbidden land, which sounds way too adult for this podcast, to rescue Dr. Anton. Back in the U.S., Hawkeye does his best Captain America impression by crashing through the window of the warehouse where Black Widow's crew is hanging out. He takes Power Man out of the picture by exploding the floor beneath his feet. Black Widow zaps him with her widow's bite, but it's not strong enough to knock Hawkeye out, so he throws his bow at her like a real man would. And then, he's left one-on-one versus the swordsman. But, before we can see how that turns out, we're flung back to Dr. Anton's predicament. See, he stumbled upon this great power source that he wanted to use in his research, but it appears it already belongs to a group of decidedly non-South American-looking dudes in funny armor, and they're not too keen on strangers spying on them or their flame of life. The Keeper of the Flame, doing his best white guy Mola Ram impression, promises the flame that he'll keep all foreigners from discovering its secrets. Goliath pops his head in and is immediately being chased by the crazy cult members. When the group corners him, the lights go out, and Goliath is rescued by Prince Ray, the true ruler of the Forbidden Land, and apparently the only inhabitant with a black light activator. Because of this interference, the Keeper of the Flame announces that both Goliath and Prince Ray must be hunted down and killed. I know we all can't wait for that to happen, but first, back to Hawkeye. After a bit of back and forth, Hawkeye defeats Swordsman, but that battle gave Power Man enough time to recover, and he attacks Hawkeye from behind. Things look grim for our hero until he is saved by... wait, Black Widow? Yep, it seems her brainwashing finally wore off. Or was that her re-brainwashing? I lost track. Either way, she stuns Power Man long enough for Hawkeye to collapse the entire building on top of the baddies. Back at Avengers Headquarters, Wasp is watching the news, where a reporter is broadcasting live from the remote South American cottage where Dr. Anton used to be. It seems the poor doctor has gone missing, and the only clue to his whereabouts is a gussied up floating jet ski parked on the front lawn. Wasp wants to go save Goliath, but Cap tells her to cool her jets. After all, despite acting like a grounded adolescent, Goliath is a real-life superhero. And our issue ends with Goliath following Prince Ray down a tunnel while the Keeper of the Flame gathers a posse to track them down. The end. For now. Dun, dun, dun. Such a cliffhanger. <laughs> it really is. Uh, our roll call for this issue. Cap, Hawkeye, Wasp, Goliath, and uh, the Maximoff twins for about a half a page. Good old Dr. Franz Anton shows up in a brief cameo. He's got one more appearance in him before he's never seen again in all of Marvel history. Our villains are Black Widow, Power Man, Swordsman, and Communist Jerkface General Hu Chen. We also get to meet, lucky us, Prince Ray, the Keeper of the Flame, and some assorted members of the Hidden People Tribe. This is the first time we see them, we know nothing about them, and I'm hoping after next issue that they disappear forever. I'm pretty sure that you're going to be lucky enough to have at, that. At least from the Avengers comics. Yeah, I, I know they make a, a couple more appearances. Yeah, I think they, really? yeah they show up for a two-issue run in uh, Hulk in the 70s. Oi. Hulk. Yeah. They had so much trouble with Hulk bad guys. So, Frenzy in a Far Off Land. Yeah. I don't really have much to say about this other than it was awful. I have a couple of comments. On the first page when we see Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch, <laughs> Quicksilver says he's wearing one of Goliath's old cybernetic helmets, which looks nothing like anything Dr. Pym has ever worn in his life. But my bigger question is, does Hank Pym just leave his old stuff? Like, was that on the breakfast table next to the Wheaties box? He's like, eh, don't need this helmet anymore. Is Quicksilver snooping through his through his things? I, I I don't know. Tony Stark evidently leaves his stuff laying around, like up, like you know, exercise bikes on the roof, like someone <laughs> threw a frisbee on top of the school and couldn't get it down. <laughs> There's just random machinery laying around. We find out later that Hank Pym actually has a cottage, so I don't know if there he's not staying in Avengers Mansion. Or I don't know how Quicksilver would find any of his stuff laying around. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me why his and yeah, he's barely been back with the Avengers. So even if I don't, I think Quicksilver, quite honestly. 
I think he's snooping through the through the like the barn room. Well, besides the fact that him putting on the cybernetic has absolutely nothing to do with the plot. Completely. And pointless. four panels later, Quicksilver has left the team. Yeah, I'm not really sure. To you, point out that the 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 twins leave because they're worried that their powers are failing them. I don't understand that now. Wanda's worried that she's not contributing very much to the team. <laughs> now she gets worried about it. How, how did she figure that out? She's been on the team for 14 <laughs> issues, and now all of a sudden it's a problem. My assumption is that Quicksilver and the Scarlet Witch are. Are gotten off the team because Stanley didn't want to write a team of six characters. He wanted four. He had Goliath and the Wasp back, so he needed to get rid of somebody, and he figured Quicksilver and the Scholar, which were the most expendable. I'm assuming that's why he shuffles them off the team as quickly as he can. Yeah, because the, the what was it? Two issues that Wasp and Goliath were around before this. Yeah, just the two, or Wasp maybe for three. So yeah, well, she was captured barely, for most of it. So. Yeah, barely. Yeah, they. Even when there were six members technically on the team, he couldn't really focus on them all. Yeah, so I'm guessing that that's why they leave. Uh, Their leaving makes no sense. Obviously, Stanley didn't understand mutants at this point in time in the Marvel Universe. Even though he created them? You know, at this point in time in the Marvel Universe, apparently their powers can fade. Yeah. Which... Isn't how mutants work? You at would all? think no. Uh, certainly not how they work now. It's it's just a little odd. When um, Hank Pym is sitting brooding, as he does, he says, "Once I was among the most envied of men, admired." Respected. Yeah, Hank, you might be overestimating <laughs> other people's opinions of you. I don't remember that. I'm not quite so sure that, that that's what you what, what you should be saying. I think, again, that's, a, that's Stan Lee trying to make this character interesting and important. Good luck, Stan. <laughs> when the Wasp is all upset because Goliath won't talk to her, she goes to Captain America and Hawkeye, and she's like, oh, <laughs> Hank won't talk to me. And Hawkeye's response is, Captain America's like, basically says, look, he'll return. Once he gets used to this, and Hawkeye says, Cap's right, kid. You've got to let a man work things out for himself. Really? Really? Uh, you mentioned Plan S, which... We have to... We should be keeping track of these. <laughs> I feel like we've seen a Plan S already. These plans are the stupidest thing in the world. They apparently... They, plan S stands for separating, so I guess every plan, they just letter after the first letter in the word that they're doing. I, I'm guessing they have a whole huge book of Plan F. They use that one a lot. Hawkeye does mention in here um, that he feels bad for... Or the way he's been acting since he joined the team. Yep. Which again, I think is nice character development because it shows it shows that Hawkeye recognizes that he was kind of being a jerk and that he wants to change. And hopefully, it showcases for those of us reading the title that that horrible dynamic of Cap's quartet is is truly gone for good. Does he actually say it to anybody? Well, the panel when he flies off in the ship, he's talking to himself. Obviously, he's the only one in the ship. But I don't remember when he comes back if he says anything about it. Yeah, I think he's just thinking it. The way, what what Hawkeye finds out when he gets a he, he's no, it's not Hawkeye. I'm sorry. When the wasp, the wasp is in the bar, yeah, the wasp does something. She finds out that they saw someone saw the Black Widow down on Bleecker Street. Right, Bleecker Street. Maybe she was visiting Doctor Strange. That's yeah. where he lives. You also mentioned that Cap decides to let Hawkeye tackle the three bad guys alone. Because a man's pride is apparently more important than capturing three dangerous criminals. I, I don't remember Captain America being able to defeat any of them on his own. I, I have a hard time believing that Hawkeye, well, Hawkeye didn't in the long run. But no, he seems really, like a horrible plan. Though when Hawkeye is going to fight the bad guys by himself, he says to no one in particular, <laughs> only a real boss cat like Cap. You know, we've talked again and again in this podcast about how different Marvel and DC are. That their styles of, their, this, the way they write comics are completely different. And it's true at this point in time. The one thing they had in common is that they had middle-aged men trying to write dialogue 
for swinging hepcats. Yep. And it never, ever works. It always sounds so awkward. I am of the impression that it still sounds awkward to this day when there's 40, 50, 60-year-old men still writing comic books. It's true. It's it's very true. Yeah, a lot of writers have trouble with that when they try to get all, all hip. Did you want to talk yeah. about, about Goliath? Goliath's butt? What are you pointing at? <laughs> no, no. Goliath mentioning... When Goliath sees the keeper oh. of the flame of these people... Yeah, sure. He mentions that it's a scene right out of H. Ryder Haggard. Yes, H. Ryder Haggard was a British novelist born in 1925 who wrote... Um, no, he died in 1925. He was born in 1856. Oh, wow. That makes more sense. He wrote uh, King Solomon's Mines and the Alan Quatermain series. That mm-hmm. character was a major inspiration for Indiana Jones movies. And the Quatermain character was also a star of the original uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen comic book series. And he was in the movie as well, played by Sean Connery sure. in the movie. For the record, King Solomon's Mine is, is a Alan Quatermain story. Sure. It's the first one. And then there were more after that. Did you would have all kinds of H. Ryder Haggard knowledge. Woo! I honestly know nothing or care nothing about him. The only reason I even know who he is is because I read the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen comics. Well, I knew King Solomon's Mines, and I obviously from a quarterman, I didn't know that H. Ryder Haggard was the author of those. Actually, that's not completely true. They they made two Alan Quarterman movies starring Richard Chamberlain back yes. in the eighties. When uh, to jump back to uh, Goliath, I spent a lot of time picking on Stanley, and well, not really picking on him, but pretty much boldly saying that his writing style doesn't do much for me. But every once in a while, Stanley is fun, and when. Goliath meets Prince Ray. Goliath says, okay, you're not wearing a mustache and you've got wavy hair, so you must be a good guy. <laughs> Love it. Thank you, Stan. That's great. I, I have to give him props since I so often don't give him props. So wait, so anyone with straight hair and a mustache is a bad guy? The the the, the mustache, I certainly understand. I don't know about the red hair. hair but that's great. Um, at the end of the story, the wasp finds out that Goliath went to South America because it's on the news. Wow, that's quick. I guess, to be fair to Stan Lee, in the days before social media... He needed, if he needed his characters to find out what was going on, police reports and papers were about the only way they could do that. But come on. But so <laughs> quick. I mean, now. Not even so quick. Like, why? Why is that one news channel in Manhattan broadcasting live from some location in the middle of nowhere of South America for some professor that no one's ever heard of before? And they don't even know that there's an Avengers connection. Because it's not like they're saying, look, it's. It's an Avengers air car. They don't know right. what it is. They're just it's like, this is so weird. so completely random. Now they would just be tweets saying, Dr. Anton is missing and this odd device is here. Hashtag first world, third world problem or something like that. Or if it was on, a, it would be on a crawl and going across the bottom yeah. of the screen on E-Entertainment. Uh, but that's it. I have nothing else for this issue. I, I don't have anything either. Uh, Until we get back to the bullpen bulletins and the, and the letters. I can run through the arrows and the hexes. Oh, yeah, let's do that. Arrows. Um, that wasn't really anything special. I'm really excited to hear about the hexes. He had a blast arrow. And I'm, I'm probably only going to bring this arrow thing up now if he does something new. Yeah. Because it seems silly to just document all of them. Uh, hexes. What hexes did she do this time? She disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm pretty sure I think we could remove that one for the time being until she comes back. Um, as far as bullpen bulletins go, there's a couple things I wanted to mention. Uh, they mention that in the bullpen bulletins that Peter Asher stopped by the bullpen. Apparently, Peter Asher is from a group called Peter and Gordon. Oh, okay. And they were part of the British Invasion. Apparently, yeah. they were a relatively big band. I have never heard of these people. But apparently, they actually were relatively popular in the 60s. Who knew? Cool. He also mentions, Stanley mentions papers around the country who have written stories about Marvel. They include... This will be good. The New York Herald Tribune, the Chicago Daily News, the Akron Beacon Journal, the Topeka State Journal, the Cleveland Press, the Altoona Mirror, the Milwaukee Journal, 
The Beckley Post Herald and Register, Radio Television Daily, The New York Post, and dozens of others. He also mentions that Tom Dunn of CBS News and Mike Wallace have <laughs> interviewed Stanley. Uh, Mike Wallace, it's obviously the beginning of his career. I know at least three or four of those newspapers are still in existence. I'm not sure about the rest of them. And someone writes the bullpen bulletins and asks why Jack Kirby only draws two magazines a month and helps on others. Surely they say he could draw at least one or two more. Slacker. I think that's <laughs> so amusing because, again, today's comic artists draw one if they're lucky. Letters. We've got letters. I, I want to mention the letters page. We talked last I, episode of, about the salutation going from Dear Stan and Don to just Dear Stan. Yeah, they're back to Dear Stan and Don. Now they're back to Stan and Don. So apparently the contract negotiations are done. I I actually stopped reading this column after the first two letters because they were gushing about how good um, issue 25 was with Dr. Doom and his stupid dome. So I don't... You can bring up whatever you want. I didn't read any of them. There's a letter in here. There's only one letter of interest. And that's someone who wants Black Bolt to join the Avengers and replace Cap. (laughs) Which would be interesting for a couple of reasons. First of all, because Black Bolt has a job as King of the Inhumans, so he's kind of busy. There'd be less dialogue. Second of all, because Black Bolt is mute and doesn't talk. It'd be great. Probably save Stan some time. Right? And the and poor Artie Simic, the letterer. Right. So, yeah. But other than that, this is a bum letters page. What an odd thing to... Black Bolt. I've never what? heard Black Bolt. I mean, Black Bolt, for those people that don't know, Black Bolt is the king of the Inhumans, a group that will eventually become important to the Avengers, and we'll talk about them more then. But right now, are, are really, he's just an odd character. And, and his thing is that he can't speak, or he'll destroy everything in front of him. His biggest power is his voice. Right. Even the, the slightest utterance he can the, level a building. The greatest politician ever. Um, do, you have a, do you have an MVP for this issue? Well, Hawkeye. I yeah. mean, he really does. I mean, yeah. he goes to town. That's who I picked, too. Useless character? I would have to say a wasp. She just really? whines a lot. Though I have a way to fix that. And I'm surprised I didn't go with this. So, you know, as comic book characters have a history, they often will use that history to build their personalities. And a lot of times what happens is these characters uh, will get arch enemies. I really, really think <laughs> the tree that the wasp should be going around burning trees down, just lighting trees on fire all across, and just shooting birds out of the sky. It's kind of a shame she never did. Let me just say that my useless character for this issue is Captain America. He did absolutely nothing other than drive around in a car and spy on some strangers. He did nothing. <laughs> you never. He's sitting in a chair for most of the rest of the issue. That's a very good point. Uh, Are either of these really have two villains here, the yeah. Black Widow and her flunkies, and and the Keeper of the Flame? Who who is the uh, either of them an Avengers level? Fr- well, if I had to pick one, I, I would go with Black Widow and her people because the other one are just a bunch of guys. Yeah, no, neither one is a is yeah. an Avengers. Yeah, I, I wrote down no, but you, you gave it to me like I had to pick one or the other. Sorry, <laughs> uh, final grade a D. Really, I yeah. gave it a B minus, uh-huh. and the only reason I went B minus is because I like the Black Widow, and I'm glad that they didn't. I was concerned with the Black Widow that they were going to stretch out her. Oh, I'm in love with Hawkeye, but I've been brainwashed. Blah blah blah. I thought they were going to stretch that out for three years, and I'm glad that it's. It seems at the end of this issue to be over, uh, and I'm glad because the Avengers aren't arguing like a bunch of grade schoolers. So that gets a B minus. What's the minus for the Keeper of the Flame? Yes, <laughs> I actually would have been fine because you know the. Even though it was stupid of Hawkeye to go fight the Black Widow's people by himself, the fight itself wasn't necessarily bad. No. And again, I like the resolution to that, but the whole South America Keeper of the Flame thing needs to go. Yeah. Well, it does. In issue 31, are we ready? Yeah. Can we can we first talk about the cover there? Sure, if you'd like to. Well, the title of the, of the issue is... You go ahead. Never Bug a Giant. Really? That's the title of the issue? Yeah, I don't really. And then, and then the little subhead says... 
featuring the strange power of the Keeper. What, what power does he have? It's in my notes. We'll talk about that. <laughs> Okie doke. So, Avengers number 33 from August of 1966. It is by Stanley and Don Heck. Did you say Avengers 33? Avengers number 31 from <laughs> August of 1966. You jumped two weeks into the future. Here we go. Captain America and the Wasp know where Goliath is, and they're forming a posse. They rope in Hawkeye. Although there's some awkwardness amongst the three at first due to Hawkeye's commie-loving ways, the trio displays some surprising emotional maturity, bonds without bickering, and head out together arm-in-arm singing a happy song. It's a bold new day for the Avengers. Meanwhile, Wanda and Pietro are back in Europe, where local ordinances have forced Pietro to wear a costume from Fiddler on the Roof. They bemoan their inability to join the Avengers on whatever grand adventure the team is enjoying, and decide to mope some more, hoping their powers will return. Hey, these mutants lead the team, and all of a sudden everyone's getting along. Maybe Hawkeye wasn't the problem after all. Maybe muties are evil. Down in South America, Goliath is strolling along with Prince Ray, who had rescued the ten-foot titan from the Keeper of the Flame last issue. They are soon found by some of the Keeper's men, but Goliath single-handedly keeps them at bay, giving him and his ally a chance to escape. The two finally reach Prince Ray's headquarters, where Ray introduces Goliath to his men. Prince Ray explains to Goliath that all of these chuckleheads are descended from the Incas. Their ancestors fled underground to escape the conquistadors, which is where they found the flame that the Keeper, um, keeps so zealously. The Keeper is a hereditary title, and they are the only one who can control the flame. Apparently, Keepers are usually saints, but this current one, oh boy, he just wants power. The flame is powered by Cobalt, and the current Keeper is piling more and more Cobalt on the flame so he gets more and more power, and darn the consequences. The Prince was organizing a resistance to the Keeper, but the Keeper struck first, and the prince and his allies were forced to flee to this headquarters. During this incredibly long bit of info dumping, Goliath must have noticed that the prince had an unnatural gleam in his eye, and that he was beginning to drool and spit a little when he spoke of the power of the flame. He realizes that Ray doesn't want to stop the Keeper because of the danger the Keeper poses. Ray just wants the power of the flame for himself. Goliath refuses to help Ray and beats feet out of the headquarters, while Ray rallies his men to capture Pym. The Keeper is also sending out his men to capture Pym, making Goliath more popular than he's ever been in the past. The Keeper also sentences Dr. Anton to death convinced that Anton also wants the power of the flame. By this time, our other three Avengers have landed and are trying to find a trace of Goliath on the ground. They encounter the local authorities, but the authorities can't help. The Avengers get back in their rocket plane to continue exploring, and they notice an odd cloud bank. They land in the middle of it and find a hidden mountain underneath it, with an entrance inside the mountain. Goliath is finding himself beset by all sides, but he's fighting like a demon, trying to find Dr. Anton and get the heck away from all these lunatics. Oh, he also thinks it would be a good idea to extinguish the flame. However, when he tries to do that, the Keeper ambushes him and manages to capture him. It's at this time that Camp and Hawkeye burst onto the scene, but they are also captured by the Keeper's men, leaving only the Wasp free, who's been watching and biding her time. The Keeper's in the process of executing the three Avengers when their complex is attacked by Prince Ray and his men, who had gained entrance when the Wasp secretly opened the gates. The battle with Prince Ray gives the Avengers the chance to break free, and chaos breaks out. Soon the flame is growing out of control, but a ridiculously convoluted plan by the Wasp and Hawkeye, involving shooting a bunch of explosives into the flame, which steal the oxygen, or bury the flame, or bury the oxygen or something, causes the flame to go out. 
With the flame out, the fighting stops, and the Avengers hightail it home with the rescued Dr. Anton. Sadly, Dr. Anton tells Goliath that he can't help with his size-changing problems, although perhaps Goliath could ask the one man who might know something, Dr. Henry Pym. The Avengers fly into the sunset, accompanied by the wailing saxophone of irony, as we reach the end. So, we have our new Quartet of Avengers this issue. Well, new as in they've been the ones we had last issue as well. Captain America, Hawkeye, the Wasp, and Goliath. Our villain is the Keeper of the Flame, Prince Ray, and lots and lots of crazy people. And uh, Quicksilver and Scarlet, which do show up briefly as supporting, or I guess in cameos, really, to remind us that they're not dead. For no, uh, no reason at all. They mentioned there's a lot of problems with this issue, but we'll get to the big problem in a minute. I do want to mention that Goliath points out, I think when he's running around with Prince Ray, that he had Avengers training. Avengers training is that how to let your enemies escape, bickering 101, door locks, why are they necessary, unnecessarily convoluted gadgets and introduction. What is Avengers training exactly? Whining. Just a lot of whining. We've seen Captain America and Hawkeye just break into gymnastics routines for no reason, so... But the old Avengers never trained together. They got together at the mansion just to have meetings and go on adventures. They look like they are barely in good enough shape to be wearing spandex, so... I love the fact that when... Goliath and Prince Ray show up at Prince Ray's headquarters. Prince Ray's men say they, they don't trust Goliath. And one of them says, Who would dare place his trust in one so huge? What the hell does that mean? <laughs> in one so huge. I don't... He's... Again, and he's only ten feet tall. I'm still perplexed by the idea that away from Goliath, the other Avengers are talking about going to get him. And they keep saying things, trying to convince themselves that he's... That, that Goliath is so strong and so fearless. When has that ever been proven? Yeah. I mean, he's... He's gotten better at being strong and fearless. Like, they've given him more action over the last few issues by himself, and he's acquitted himself well. But when you tell the readers that that many times, it becomes obvious that you're overcompensating. This really is just a way to get an extra Tales to Astonish issue out of out of Goliath, really. Yeah, it really Set is. Set him off on a two-issue solo series there. So there's a couple of big issues I want to tackle. Do you have any small things you wanted to mention? I, I just have a little one. First, we pop in to see Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch. Are they just going to wait around for their powers to get better? And, I, and how will they actually know if they're just standing around in this village? And truly, truly... Seriously, people, just because you're in Europe doesn't mean... Just like Geppetto? Yes, this is not... You're, you, this is not... You're not Heidi of the Alps. I'm not sure why you're wearing these clothes. It was ridiculous. Yeah, no, Quicksilver and the Scarlet Witch continue to be a problem. Uh, just because, again, it seems so obvious that Stan doesn't know what to do with them. I know your big thing with this is the Cobalt. You're going to get into... I have two. Well, I have a couple, but Cobalt certainly factors into it. I have a big one, and it seems to be pretty topical these days. I'm supposed to believe that these people that are hiding in the mountains of South America that are clearly Caucasian are descendants of the Incas? Is it because they've lived underground and they've lost all of their skin color? I don't know. Yes, they're pigment. I think if the Incas were still alive... First of all... It drove me crazy that he called them Incas and not Incans. And I, I looked this up, and Incas is perfectly acceptable. Well, yeah, sure, we're, we're white European males, of course. <laughs> but I, I prefer Incans. I don't know why. Did you call them the Aztecans? Yes. Okay. All right, just I think you. that um, <laughs> if the Incas were still around today, they would probably all be white Caucasians as well. I think, you know, just over time, their pigment was naturally going to fade. Well, that makes sense. And they were going to be... I mean, since, since white men aren't a majority in America anymore, they must have gone somewhere, right? Right. Well, I, and I... I also think if they were still alive today, they'd wear ridiculously stupid capes. Sure. And odd costumes. And, and bits of, like, foam and plastic 
that they found laying in the backyard? Cobalt. Ah, Cobalt. Stanley, Co- you know, obviously Stanley, there were certain things he kept coming back to because he kept reading them. Transistors is one. Yeah, Everything is transistor powered. Uh, but another thing he liked in the in the 60s was Cobalt. Cobalt is, does exist. It's a real thing. Sure. It's used as an alloy and as a battery. And the human body even contains minute amounts of cobalt. It was theory, but but what but what Stan Lee wants to use it as is a weapon. We are constantly there is actually a, when we do the X Men podcast. Oh, X Men! There's a villain in I think around issue twenty or twenty five. Cobalt Man. Cobalt Man. Yeah. Uh, he uses cobalt as a weapon. He's always talking about cobalt bombs, which is really interesting. In the 1950s, a physicist by the name of Leo Silzard. He was. Uh, he theorized that you could build a cobalt bomb, but it would be like this doomsday weapon. Oh. That a cobalt bomb would destroy the earth. Well, and there's your problem. No one ever built a cobalt bomb. So Stanley glommed onto that vision. Didn't yes. He? So Stanley heard cobalt doomsday, what? and now he uses cobalt as as a way to always point to doomsday scenarios. And so he uses cobalt to power the flame, which brings us to the biggest problem with this issue and this concept. And it's a problem that you mentioned just mere moments ago. The, the power? What? Power? What? What is the deal with it? Oh my god, I was almost hooked to Jerry Seinfeld. I know. What is was, the deal with this flame? When I was in high school and my friends and I would go out of the woods and build a campfire, hugely powerful. It's so funny you say that because my notes say, what is what is with this flame? It's a glorified campfire. Yeah, what do you get? Let's pile more cobalt on it so it burns more. Okay, what do you do with that? And, and keep in mind that the... Aren't you actually ruining the cobalt by burning it? Well, and, and supposedly they mentioned more than once that this flame has kept these people alive. Is it really cold down there? They need it for why? How is it keeping them alive? It doesn't... The flame makes no sense. And they keep talking about how much power the Keeper has. But it doesn't seem like... He has any power. He's he's the guy that shovels coal in the train. Yep. I mean, all he's doing is tending this flame. I mean, they already have the typical advanced technology that yeah. most of these hidden races have for no reason. They have weird-looking guns and it, it, machinery. And- it is. We never see that. The Keeper doesn't seem to be able to control the flame. No. It's not like you get near it and it can form it into shapes and stuff. Right. And as you say, I don't see how him making it bigger, actually. I... It, the whole thing, it, it is so ill-conceived. It's so ill-conceived. It brings me to my biggest problem with the issue, which is more of the humorous side of all this. So, so the Avengers put this flame out. Now what are all these people supposed to do? They had built this micro-economy, this whole community around this flame. I, I, I'm assuming they had schools and small businesses and some sort of viable infrastructure built in this cave system. That, well, that is... I a, mean, we saw some machinery and, like, sliding hidden doors and... That but, is the problem... <laughs> They put the flame out. These people just leave. Like, where are they going to go? That is a huge problem with the end of this issue. Is that, as I mentioned in the recap, Prince Ray's men are fighting the Keeper's men, are fighting the Avengers, and there's this huge brouhaha. Everybody's fighting everybody. The Avengers put the flame out, and the fighting stops. Right. Everybody just stops. They have nothing to fight for anymore. Well, shouldn't they be pissed at the Avengers if they just put the flame out? What are they going to do about it, though? And the Avengers, shouldn't the Avengers do almost anything except just walk away and leave an ancient, unstable civilization to figure out what to do next. That was my last note. The Avengers basically destroyed an entire culture. I don't know. This this is like Captain Kirk in the original Star Trek (laughs) when he goes to a planet, destroys the god that everyone's been worshipping that is the center of their civilization, and then flies away. Well, to be fair, the Avengers didn't have sex with anybody, so it's not quite Captain Kirk level. It's true. But yeah, it's... I mean, they have destroyed this civilization... And 
and they merely get in their rocket plane and head out at the end of the issue. I do want to say that the end of the issue seems to somebody in the rocket ship, and we don't know who it is, says, there are still some things puzzling me, but then all life is a puzzle as well. What a <laughs> cop-out. So that's basically Stanley saying, I know this issue makes no sense, but just run with it. That was Wasp. She was confused. Well, if it was Wasp, I would think one of the men would have told her. <laughs> Quiet down, chick. <laughs> Broad. Whatever Go make some said. coffee. I'm done. I have one pop culture reference if you can find it. It says, Almost faster than the human eye can follow the amazing archer fires three arrows. So rapid that he seems to have released them as one. Ah, the sweetest music this side of Al Hurt, Hawkeye says. It's the only pop culture reference in this entire issue that I noticed. Um, Al Hurt, also known as the Round Mound of Sound, was a trumpeter and band leader born in New Orleans in 1922. He is probably best known for performing the theme song to the Green Hornet TV show, which was also used uh, years later in the Kill Bill movies. In 1962, he opened his own club on Bourbon Street in the French Quarter. And in 1967, Al Hurt became a minority owner in the NFL's New Orleans Saints expansion football team. I just have a vague thing about the letters. The first few, there seems to be a, actually the first few and then it continues on later. I was trying to just isolate it, but it seems to be mentioned throughout. There's a big debate about whether Goliath is a better name than Giant Man. Yeah, and one of the letter writers says that the name Goliath is unique. No, I don't think they understand what the word unique means. It is not unique. I think they mean it's more it's it's more specific. Giant Man could be who's Giant Man? Anybody that seems large. Any man who's a giant. <laughs> yeah. Whereas Goliath can only be well, Goliath at least has the reference of biblical. So it's unique. Goliath. Well, it was a quote-unquote person, if you believe all that stuff. So it's a proper noun. It's a proper whereas noun. Giant Man is just more of a description. Giant Man is a description. A hyphenated description. Yeah. Gotcha. There's also a letter in there that argues whether or not Hank would be more effective at 12 feet tall yes, than that, 10. That's what, his optimum size. 12 feet. Is, is it with these letter writers and their heights and things? Yeah, I don't understand why 12 is better than 10. I really don't. And and I was going to say something about how people don't like, they don't like Goliath, they don't like his new costume. They like, but as it turns out, as you go through all these letters, people seem to really like Hank Pym, and they're really sticking up for him. And I am shocked. It must be the only one, two, three, four, six people that like Hank Pym. I like Hank Pym. Seven. Well, you weren't alive then. So. I was not alive then. <laughs> you might have replaced one of those six. Uh, do you have an MVP? Uh, my MVP is Hawkeye, maybe. Oh, it should be Goliath. Let's be honest. I'm never going to use him as an MVP. Goliath is more active now than he ever was before he left the team. And he does kick butt in this, in this issue. Useless character. Can I pick Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch? I did. Okay. Not only for doing nothing, but for dressing like the 13th century serfs. Avengers level threat? No. But there's Cobalt. I don't care. They just put it out. The final grade? It's still a D. It was D last issue. It's a D this issue. You cannot give it a B minus. You have to have given it worse than a B minus. I gave it a C. I feel like... Because not, Black Widow's not in it this time. I feel like we finally have good characterization with these... Ca can we now get some decent plots? Yeah. Like, I, I feel like the characterization is really coming along. We're beginning to see what makes these characters interesting. I think the big thing that happened is with Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch leaving, Wasp is now the only useless female. There aren't <laughs> two of them. And... and and Hawkeye is the only, you know, belligerent kind of hero. And with Quicksilver gone, they don't bicker as much. And he's yeah. kind of befriended Captain America already. And we know that becomes a huge thing later on. Agreed. 
All right. So there you go. The, the 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 exciting. I'm sure if you know anybody that knows the Avengers comics, they probably often talk about the Doctor Anton South America two parter. Did you get to the Keeper of the Flame yet? It's the classic. <laughs> it's the classic issues everybody loves. But next issue. I don't even know how to end this. <laughs> next episode, we're going to talk about two. We're going to talk about a two issue arc, which which throws the Avengers into social relevance. It's topical. It is topical. Yeah, probably even still topical to this day. Sadly. All right. So uh, join us next time. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Thank you so for listening. Are we doing? stuff again do we have anything to pitch where can people find us avengingour.com that's where our you can listen to the podcast you can see all of our connections there emails uh, Instagram Twitter feed all that stuff's there there you go that's all we needed huh? that's it I got nothing else alright alright well <laughs> thanks for listening bye bye